the Lit Flix podcast. This is our pop culture episode, Lit Bits. In these episodes, we will discuss any current events and things we've been reading or watching outside of our normal schedule. These episodes are explicit, but we will do our very best to avoid spoilers. I'm Casey. I'm Abby. And tonight I am drinking a sweet tea vodka. So again, nothing special. Same here. I'm on my last cream soda, my artisanal cream soda and vodka. Ooh. So Aunt Deb's going to have to get me more cream soda. (laughs) Yes. Get on it, Aunt Deb. Yeah. Okay. So do you have news from the literary film world no i have a little bit of like a pop culture tidbit i was just watching jimmy kimmel live and lady gaga was on there i don't know what Mm. day it was from it was from after she run won her oscar but they were talking about how everybody's up in arms and talking about how they're she and bradley cooper look like they're so in love on that performance and all that stuff and she (laughs) is the best she was like Social media is the toilet of the internet. (laughs) What it has done to pop culture is abysmal, was I think her exact statement. Nice. And so it was pretty funny. I mean, it discounts all of the good that social media does, but it was just how straight up she was was pretty great. I saw one that she's like, I'm a performer. It was we're performers. It was a performance. That's exactly what she said. She's like, we wanted you to believe we were in love. It is a love song. And I'm like, go Gaga. People are stupid. Right. (laughs) Watch they get married next year. (laughs) The look they give each other. I mean. Yeah. But anyway, so I just thought that was fun. I just love her so much. Yeah, she's pretty great. Okay, so uh, HBO just released a new documentary. Well, it's it was released Sunday, so this comes out Monday, our episode. Anyway, it's a new documentary on Michael Jackson called Leaving Nether- Neverland. Mm-hmm. It is the telling of uh, these two boys that survived his alleged abuse. Okay. And the documentary digs into the most painful contradictions of a cultural icon. It's a two-part documentary. And so I believe it. the total runtime is about four hours. Oh, okay. And it details the way that Jackson allegedly targeted, groomed, and sexually abused two men, James Safechuck and Wade Robson, over several years in the 80s and 90s, beginning when they were respectively 10 and 7 years old. Oh, God. The director, Dan Reed, told Vulture in January, quote, I think it'd be very difficult not to believe them once you've listened to them and their families, but you walk away and it's a sad moment because another nice thing about the world has gone dark. The lights have gone out on the whole center of your cultural space. Yeah. Have you watched it? No. Okay. I haven't. It just goes back to that whole, like, we have to believe victims. Like, if your argument is believe women, you have to believe men, too. I completely believe them. And, like, I believed them, like, the boys when he was acquitted in, what, the early 2000s or 2000? 2000... It was, like, 2010, wasn't it? 2009 or yeah, something? I yeah, I was thinking 2009. Yeah. And I believed it then. So I believe it now. And it is, like, a dark spot. And I don't know if you overlook his, quote, unquote, genius i don't know what i'm trying to say i don't know if you can overlook the negative aspects and be like no i just appreciate his music like can you separate the two and do you want to 
I know he's not alive, but people have sued his estate as well. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to to that whole thing where the settlements that rich, famous people can come up with so that people don't talk. Right. And all of that. And it's like if one witness or one victim gets a settlement, it can silence the other ones because then nobody believes them because the other victim was like, oh, no, I take back what I said. Yeah. And I'm sorry I keep bringing these things up. It's just so prevalent in our culture at the moment. Right. So. And then it comes up with the whole race discussion, too, because, I mean, personally from my personal point of view it has nothing to do with the fact that he's black well yeah and I believe both of these men now are white okay historically when in our American culture it has significant meaning but it still doesn't take away the fact that he probably did these bad things these horrible horrible things yeah and they were really young. I mean, who was it? Elijah Wood said that little boys are passed around in Hollywood like currency, basically. Yeah. Wasn't there a whole thing with Michael Jackson, Macaulay Culkin as well? And Corey Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually I'm about to talk about Corey Feldman next. Oh, yay. Good segue. Well, just for like two seconds. Um. So, yeah. Are, are we done with that? Do are you have an like what's your gut feeling with that? Like as far as keeping the art separate from the artist like I don't know if I can I like that is so disgusting to me I don't think I ever want to listen to him again no matter how much I love and grew up with thriller and that's a sad thing but he it's a hard call predator (laughs) but does our not listening to thriller make a difference probably not now but can you still enjoy the music knowing who he was as a person especially with my little boy in the back seat Yep. I don't know. (laughs) I love that song so much. I love so many of Michael Jackson's songs. Same. I saw The Weeknd at Bumbershoot a few years ago, and me and Mm -hmm. my friend Karen were talking about him. It was like, oh, my God, he is a young – like, he's so much like a young Michael Jackson. Mm. Like, from his – I love him. Me too, from his singing style to the way he dances. It's like we wouldn't have The Weeknd without Michael Jackson. You wouldn't have a lot without Michael Jackson. That's true. However, there's this huge dark cloud over it. It's the dark mark. Yep. It's Voldemort's mark. It's Voldemort's mark. Fuck everything. Okay. So uh, moving on, the Lost Boys series is being written and created for the CW. Okay. It is going to be by Rob Thomas. The Matchbox 20 Rob Thomas? Well, it says Veronica Mars creator Rob Thomas. Oh, so I think they're different people. Probably not the same guy. I'm okay. pretty sure they're different people. Okay. And Heather Mitchell, who's the creator of Still Starcrossed, and I don't know what that is. What the fuck? Okay. And the director of the pilot is Catherine Hardwick, who directed 13 and the first Twilight movie. Ooh. 13 was so good. I loved that. So here is what I wanted to talk about. So this reboot is coming out and they just announced that instead of the Frog Brothers played by Corey Feldman and Jameson Newlander, they cast two women. Okay. So it's going to be the Frog Sisters. Mm. 
I know that they've been doing it more about casting different genders and different roles. And do you think this is a good move for updating a show and progressive or do you think this is necessary? Does it work for any reboot or? So like what you're asking is, is it great or is it arbitrary? Right. I think it really depends on what they do with it. So if you just take a female character and give her lines, a boy would say. It's mm-hmm. kind of pointless. But if you give her a female life, then it makes sense. And it gives some representation, at least. Yeah. It, it creates a little bit more space for female characters, which I think is super important, especially a quality female character. An example of a gender like swap. I don't. Yeah, I guess it's a gender swap that I love is Starbuck and Battlestar Galactica. The blonde girl? So, yeah, in the original, it's a man. Oh, okay. She is, and is she the one that's on Longmire, too? She's blonde. And, yes. Yeah, I love yeah. her. She's actually from Oregon. She's from, like, Beaverton or something. That's amazing. She was also an Oculus. Mm-hmm. She did a really good job in that. And then I also just watched a movie with her called Don't Knock Twice, which mm. was decent. Should I look up her name? Yeah, let's look up what her actual name is so that we know what we're talking about. I've seen her in tons of stuff and I know her name, but I somehow cannot think of it to save my life. It is... Isn't it Catherine something or... I think it's Katie something. That sounds right. Katie Sackoff. Yep. And she is... Oh, it just says born in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Anyway, I love her in Battlestar Galactica. I think it's a great role for a woman. I think they did a great job with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, still keeping true to the character, but updating it in a way that's fantastic. Yeah. So it could go either way. It could go south or it could be amazing. But with Catherine Hardwick at the helm, I feel like it'll be... She has a pretty good understanding of female characters. Like, Rob Thomas, he did Veronica Mars, and I believe he does um, iZombie. Oh, okay. And so I feel like he does really well with the female-driven cast. Those are two pretty popular shows, too, right? People love them. Yeah, people love them. So hopefully it'll be great. I am hopefully optimistic. That's exciting. I'm, I don't know. I mean, The Lost Boys is just, you know, iconic. Well, I'm glad it's a series and not just a movie remake. Yeah, I don't want a movie remake. No. I've had enough movie remakes, guys. Except for Pet Cemetery, which we're doing in April. Yes, but I do not want a Scream remake, which is in the works. <laughs> I don't want that either. It was perfect as is. Yeah, leave it alone. So, uh, okay, that's all I had for like news. Do you want to talk about what you've read? Yeah, I don't have any more news either. I okay. So currently, what I'm reading outside the podcast, I've got two books. The first one is called Problematic, How Toxic Call-Out Culture is Destroying Feminism, and it is by Diana E. Anderson. Um, So this 
is from the publisher. It's just a like a blurb about what it's about. From Beyonce's Lemonade to The Force Awakens to the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, the entertainment industry seems to be embracing the power of women like never before. But with more feminist content comes more feminist criticism, and it feels as if there's always something to complain about. Diana E. Anderson's incisive problematic takes on the stereotype of the perpetually dissatisfied feminist. (laughs) Too often, feminist criticism has come to mean seeing only the bad elements of women-centric pop culture and never the good. Anderson suggests that our insistence on feminist ideological purity leads to shallow criticism and ultimately hurts the movement. Instead, she proposes new, more nuanced forms of feminist thought for today's culture, illustrated by examples from across the spectrum of popular music, movies, and TV, including Lena Dunham, Nicki Minaj, and even One Direction. While grounding her inquiry in pop culture and media topics, Anderson draws on concepts of feminist theory to show how we can push for continued cultural change while still acknowledging the important feminist work being done in pop culture sphere today. Oh my God, that was the longest synopsis. Sorry. That's okay. Do you know who this author is? Like, why should I listen to her? She, um... Okay, so her bio is Diana Anderson is a writer based out of Minneapolis. She has a master's in English literature from Baylor University and a master's in women's studies from Oxford. She is the author of two books, Damaged Goods, New Perspectives on Christian Purity and Problematic. She, her work has been featured in Cosmo, Rolling Stone, Vice, and Salon. Nice. So she's a smart person. Okay. <laughs> I'll listen to her. Okay. Um, it's an interesting read. It's not dry at all. I was I kind of picked it up and thought this is going to take me forever to get through. It's going to be super boring, but it's pretty accessible. But mm-hmm. I still feel like I'm using my brain muscles while reading it, which is nice. I don't feel yeah. – it's not like bubble gum for your mind or anything. That's good. Um, so far, the only thing I've disagreed with her on is Kim Kardashian. But, okay. Yeah, because she says Kim Kardashian is – not to be dismissed that she's a smarter, savvier businesswoman than people give her credit for. But she doesn't address the fact that Kim Kardashian's wealth was amassed based on predatory practices, selling shit to young girls that they don't need. So yeah. that's a huge problem for me. I can't really forgive that. Mm-hmm. Um, But I love the idea that pop culture needs to be discussed and thought about instead of boycotted or disregarded entirely. And mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of our baby it's cold out baby it's cold outside discussion. Yeah. Where instead of banning stuff outright, we just need to talk about it. Right. You know, so yeah, it's an interesting read. I'm not totally finished with it yet. I'm almost done, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a fast read too. That's cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Nice. And I know we've talked about like the calling out things and sometimes like I just want people like talk about things but you don't have to be rude and just completely like shutting something down that's the thing is like so and so is canceled well it's fine if they're horrendous but it talks the book also talks about that whole thing of doing something really shitty but the person apologizes and addresses it Mm -hmm. and learns from the mistake and moves on yeah there needs to be room for learning for human error exactly that's exactly right and so I have a lot of respect for her positing that especially in this atmosphere that we live in today where right everybody just wants to jump 
on someone and cancel them. I feel like that's the easiest way to go. That's exactly right. And that's why she uses that word problematic. She's like, just labeling something problematic and dismissing it doesn't enrich the discussion at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's what she's trying to get people to do with this book, which is really interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Way to go. Nice book choice. Thanks. It was random. I saw it on the shelf and I was like, hey, this looks interesting. Let's read it. Even better. <laughs> that's how, that's really cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I have my review for Ruin and Rising by Lee Bardugo, which is book three of the Shadow and Bone trilogy. All right. All right, here's the synopsis. The capital has fallen. The Darkling rules Ravka from his shadow throne. Now the nation's fate rests with a broken sun summoner, a disgraced tracker, and the shattered remnants of a once great magical army. Deep in the ancient network of tunnels and caverns, a weakened Alina must submit to the dubious protection of the apparat and the zealots who worship her as a saint. Yet her plans lie elsewhere. With the hunt for the elusive firebird and the hope that an outlaw prince still survives, Alina will have to forge new alliances and put aside old rival rivalries as she and Mal race to find the last of Mordzova's amplifiers. But as she begins to unravel the Darkling's secrets, she reveals a past that will forever alter her understanding of the bond they share and the power she wields. The Firebird is the one thing that stands between Ravka and destruction, and claiming it could cost Alina the very future she's fighting for. That sounds really intense. Bah! It is. It's it's really intense. I love how dark this book is. Yeah. There is still more death and loss, questions about fate versus choice, the idea of power, and a long life weighted against an ordinary existence, which I like all of those things. The good guys, again, aren't always good. The bad aren't always bad. And I understand both of them and their motives. Mm -hmm. The internal struggle Alina deals with about her power and her desires, I really enjoy because it's like to do what's best for her country and for the majority of this world, she has to disregard what she wants. And that is always so hard as the reader because you want what she wants. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, sometimes you don't get your way. You don't get what you want. Um, and that really sucks. Comes, it does suck. So Alina really comes into her own here and she starts to be a boss which I love and I like being able to see her go from this scared little girl to potentially be this leader and just fully accepting I guess not fully accepting yourself but mostly accepting herself this book also has really great friendships her interactions with other people are wonderful uh, the secondary characters are still pretty epic. One of my favorite quotes from the entire book comes from a character that's been really a victim of some atrocious things, and she's kind of finding herself and her strength again. And she comes face to face with one of her abusers, and she says, I am not ruined. I am ruination. Whoa. 
And it's just such a powerful statement. Yeah. I mean, I really loved it. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about this book slash series and how it ended. I was kind of hoping for something else. Some things really did shock me. Like, I was surprised. Oh. Which I like being surprised. Mm -hmm. I wish there were a little more consequences for certain things, but... Without spoilers, I'll just leave it. It's that. Anyway, um, I'd give this book a four. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I feel like Which is still great. It's still it's still really great. Like I recommend it for everyone. It for anyone. It's a great finale, but I I felt like we were building to something so huge and I felt like a little bit disappointed. Oh, bummer. Not not like super disappointed, but a little disappointed, a tiny bit. Huh? Anyway, um, I know some of the characters come back, maybe not in Six of Crows, but in King of Scars. So I'm really looking forward to getting to that, which is a new duology that she's writing. And King of Scars is already out. King of Scars is out. It just came out maybe like a month ago. Okay. And then she's currently writing the second book. She has an adult novel, I believe, called Ninth House that's coming out soon. Oh. And then the next King of Scars book. Okay. So, yeah, I think she's veering away from YA. And she said she's always wanted to write adult and she's had this novel in her head for a long time. So I'm really excited to see what that is and how it comes out. Interesting. How anybody can... A, write a novel, and B, write multiple novels, I will never understand. I know. She's basically my life aspiration. She's really cool. (laughs) She's super cool. All right. My other book I'm reading right now that I have just scratched the surface on but is really good so far is Dreyer's English by Benjamin Dreyer. Um. Mm. It is by, well, I'll just read the synopsis. This one's shorter than the other one. Um, We all write all the time, books, blogs, emails, lots and lots of emails, and we all want to write better. Benjamin Dreyer is here to help. As Random House's copy chief, Dreyer has upheld the standards of the legendary publisher for more than two decades. He's beloved by authors and editors alike, not to mention his followers on social media, for deconstructing the English language with playful erudition. Now he distills everything he's learned from the myriad books he has copy edited and overseen into a useful guide, not just for writers, but for everyone who wants to put their best prose foot forward. Um, Again, it sounds like it would be dry, but it's so entertaining and insightful. Dryer's English sounds dry. <laughs> I didn't even realize I did that. <laughs> Um, I love that it recognizes that language is constantly evolving and how we can update our writing style to suit the current culture. Um, Mm. Also, you can tell he's a salty bitch. He's really funny and has some really (laughs) sly jokes in there that he just kind of slips in. Did you feel heard? I did kind of feel heard. Um, I'm like I said, I'm not even close to finish because I started reading problematic and I can't put that down. But I'm really excited to finish this one. I feel like it'll help me be a better reader and a better writer like just in my daily life so nice that's really cool yeah and it's not boring at all I thought it was gonna be like oh my god am I reading this why do you keep picking books up that you think are gonna be boring like doesn't that usually steer people away from that choice because I want to be smarter (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. But I think these books so are going to help me. So being bored is being smarter? I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just want to be better at reading. And I think these oh, two yeah, books totally. will be helpful in doing that. So I think with the podcast, I'm trying to read more thoughtfully instead of just like, oh, let me be entertained for a while. Right. Which is a bummer in some ways because there's some books that you just want to fucking read. Yeah. I feel like I'm definitely a work in progress. Me too. We're getting hopefully there. Hopefully our podcast will show it. Yeah. Hopefully. We're trying to enrich everyone's lives, not just ours. Yes. All right. That's it for me. So our next episode will be out next Monday. It is The Other Boleyn Girl by by Felipe Gregory. The film is currently streaming on Netflix. We know we have issues. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on our website at thelitflixpodcast.com or email us at thelitflixpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Cheers. Thank you.